Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Nullmine, and this is episode 110, an interview with Jane Morrison of Yarnison. I feel a need to laugh again with you, if that's all right. Hello, hello, and welcome into another episode of the show. How are you? I am good, thank you for asking. <laughs> and um, back with you again this week with another interview. I did say that it was going to be a solo episode this time, but I changed my mind, you know, when I am a kind of girl that likes to change her mind when she feels like it and um, when I've got something cool and a good conversation to share with you. And I decided on the spur of the moment to change it from a solo episode into an interview episode because I think you're going to enjoy it. So, This week I'm really excited to be bringing Jane Morrison um, of Yarnison Designs onto the show. She is um, a friend of mine as you'll hear when we get into the episode and reasonably new to the world of designing and um, it's just doing something really different with design I think that um, it's a little bit away from what is kind of popular at the moment with very pretty, pretty stuff. It's a little bit more edgy and something that really appealed to me personally. Um, So I wanted to bring her onto the show and share with you, as I always do, when I find something that I think is really cool and I think that you will like as well. Um, So she will be coming up shortly. I will warn you, it's quite a long interview. It does get chatty in some points. There is some conversation about fish and chips. Um, among some other kind of random northernisms and little chit chats that go off away from the knitting then we come back onto the knitting to continue our conversation so much in the spirit of the we're down the pub and having a bit of a chat about it tell me about it it is quite a relaxed interview format if you don't like that just just go now really if you don't find funny little chit chats in between an interview fun um interesting then you know you might not like it but hey you know it's my podcast whatever's dude so <laughs> It is good though, it's fun, it's funny. So without further ado, I'm going to bring um, her in and I will be super excited to hear what you think of our chat over in the Facebook group, um, Shannabee's Podcast Community on Facebook uh, afterwards. But without further ado, here is Jane. So I'm really excited today to be welcoming my lovely friend, Jane Morrison, a.k.a. Yarnison, onto the show. Now, I've been friends with Jane for a couple of years now after meeting via the Golden Skin and then in person at the Countess's old studio in Swinton. I do believe that was our first meeting. And she is a knitwear designer. I'm talking about you in the third person now, introducing you, and then you're there. Oh, that's weird. But you're there. freaked out. Okay, carry on. Sorry, I'll stop now. Um, She is a knitwear designer and um, what I really enjoy about Jane's designs in particular is that they are quite edgy and urban and they are a bit different. Everything about them, I think, is a bit different and stands out from your usual stuff on Ravelry um, and the way things are presented, which is what appeals to me personally um, from a design point of view. And there's just some unusual combinations of things that I think are really interesting. And that's why I wanted to kind of get her on the show and share her work and her, because she is an absolute delight with you. And she has a really cool accent as well to boot, to add in. So Jane, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. <laughs> now I'm thinking about how I talk with my accent. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's cool. It's a co- Everybody loves a Scottish accent, mate. Okay. 
Everybody does. So for people who are not that familiar with DE and maybe haven't met you before, um, and let's face it, they are frankly missing out on life. Um, tell them a little <laughs> bit about yourself and how you got into designing. Um, well, uh, so uh, I'm uh, from Edinburgh, as you can tell. I uh, moved to Manchester about eight years ago um, with BBC, uh, where I work as a user experience designer. Um, but I've been knitting... Uh, since my early 20s when I discovered that uh, I could knit and smoke at the same time and I was giving up smoking so uh, I I took up knitting in order because I'm sure if you were like some old woman uh, you know that really wanted to smoke and knit at the same time you could sit there with like the smoke climbing up into one eye and uh, you know kind of squinting angrily and knitting away on some hideous garment that your grandchild would have to wear for a while (laughs) Um, but I never mastered it, so it was quite a good way to uh, to stop smoking was to start knitting. And uh, so I've been doing it as a hobby for years and also uh, collecting yarn as a hobby for years because I get lightheaded in most yarn shops and, uh, and spend lots of money. Um, <laughs> so I was kind of uh, up for... I was, I was sort of, I, I think I was talking in knit group and, and saying, oh, I can't really find anything that does this and this and this at the same time. And um, someone said, um, well, what about just designing it? And I thought, well, you know, I kind of went, don't be ridiculous. And then obviously the germ of the idea was in my head and I went off and thought about it. Um, so that's it. That's, that's what ended up happening was that I started thinking, oh, I could, I could actually give this a go. And sort of realized that um, the skills I've got from my job in terms of sort of user research and how you approach designing for an audience uh that's all kind of i've got all that process in my head really so um that stuff i find quite easy and then um the the knitting part i I just come at it basically completely selfishly so i'm I'm coming at it from things that i would enjoy knitting colors that i enjoy wearing um and and things that you know i take inspiration from the stuff that i enjoy seeing so this is going to sound dodgy, Joe, but um, <laughs> good. <laughs> so, so one of my patterns uh, was inspired by high vis jackets. One of the reasons why is because uh, I, I do a lot of urban walking, commuting, and walking around. I think the sort of the brightest, happiest things to look at on the landscape are often the people wearing high vis jackets, which sounds like a fancy builders, but I don't really. Uh, <laughs> they're usually you know, hideous creatures that shout and stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm very quiet and, and, and I don't put myself forward at all. But um, it was, I think what I like about it is, you, you know, you're in this landscape where there's lots of sort of grey and, you know, sort of street furniture and stuff like that. And the brightest things on it are the sort of these splashes of neon. And uh, I kind of want to be one of the splashes of neon and, and sort of brighten things up. So I think in terms of my color choices, they're, they're kind of really inspired by that. So that's, that's where I came at it from. And I think um, it's, it's just been fun. I think each pattern I've done, I've learned something new about how to design them and what, you know, what, what I enjoy about it. Um, but I think, um, yeah, and, and some of them are better than others, but I think I've, I've enjoyed them all for different things. So, yeah. Yeah, because I have to say that wasn't because the uh, it's Urban Hero, isn't it? That one. Yeah, yeah. The one it's you're like talking. Bat cape, but in high vis jacket colours. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm going to come back to Urban Hero in a minute because the first one you did was was that not the manhole socks? Yes. Yeah. It was. 
so that was the that's the kind of that I was trying to get across um I mean it was partly because uh so my knit group is at Countess Blaze and she does a colorway called Urbex and Mm -hmm. it's this sort of brilliant it looks like rusty metal and I really wanted a texture and something that looked like rusty metal um you know to 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 complement the yarn so it it sort of came from that and I really like these sort of textures you get from um kind of like that sort of uh, anti-slip tread that you get on um on pieces of metal sometimes and and manhole covers and stuff like that so um so it came from that really I, I wanted to make something that looked like that it is really cool and I'm a geographer right so this this urban landscape stuff like mm. it makes my little heart sing because I'm <laughs> I'm one of those because you normally get like the physical geographers who love like being out in the field and you know hydrography and all that kind of stuff and I do yeah. like some of that stuff yeah. um <laughs> I do you know I do and I do like no, some of the I... kind of old stuff you know like the carbon dating and paleontology and all that that piece but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit more of a human geographer and I like like the interplay of of how kind of the human and the physical how they explain each other and things but I, yeah. I'm, I'm like more into the urban geography and how cities work and all that kind of stuff because I, I just found people quite interesting yeah so i really like how you've approached it from a like in in a particularly of late in the knitting world it's all about you know florals and being pretty and being beautiful and like i just want to escape from life and look oh, at catalog God, images it's, it's, it's fucking boring isn't it isn't it, it i find i personally find that a little bit insipid <laughs> i mean um, i don't so that was really no disrespect <laughs> um there's some really nice patterns and really but there's so many of them and it's just like the volume you know there's what nearly a million patterns on like ravelry and like so many of them are kind of interplay with floral stuff and leaves and and things like that and you know I've knitted that stuff and I like it but I did get to the point where I was like well it doesn't really reflect what I want to look like when I'm wearing clothes you know it it doesn't reflect that side of me particularly so it's it's great if I'm knitting a scarf for my mum or something but it's not really my scene um so yeah yeah and it is like like you said like i'm not not dissing it like it it does look very pretty and it does look very kind of inoffensive and it's just like oh that's nice um yeah you know, very generic and i, I like and, and, I, and i like you i'm like i, I knit and i knit some of that stuff too and it's some of the pretty pretty um yeah. but i like the way that you've gone well yeah but like that's not really me and let me take a let me take a grid right yeah off of the street that is rusty so not generally your typical idea of something that is pretty and beautiful that rust is not considered to be a beautiful thing generally and let me take that and make it into something i think is really interesting in the same way that you did it with the um urban hero Um, and you took like gray and neon yellow and yes. a bat cape, pretty like Batman, pretty much. Yeah, um, and you like, you put lace in it, like it's got bloody lace in the pattern. Well, it, it's just some chevrons. It's because I wanted a bit of a zigzag going on. It was just, you know, what that was. It's because that's where the, you know I was saying there's like this when you're designing a pattern. There's an interplay with how it looks, the yarn that you're using, and uh, the experience of knitting the thing. And on the experience of knitting the thing, like you want a bit of interest, right? You can't, you know, so don't get me wrong, like my new one's got loads of garter in it and it's an absolute joy. I was knitting a sample in the cinema the other day because I didn't need to look at it at all, you know? And so it's like, um, so I enjoy that as well. But uh, for something, you know, I I think, you know, some 
easy to memorize bit of lace or, or cabling or something like that can really just sort of uh, keep you interested in the thing and get allow you to finish it. You know, so some of it was that, some of it was I wanted to create these sort of zigzags and the chevron does that. So you end up with these sort of bolts of lightning in the, in the shaping uh, where the, because it's got these short road triangles as well. And those triangles look like sort of bolts of lightning. So it was, it was to try and achieve that effect. Um, so it's really just the best tool for the job, you know, but um, it looks quite good. I think lace is really interesting because um you know you can do quite interesting floral stuff and like you know some of the some of the patterns that like carrie westerman or you know boonits or something like that does you get these amazing sort of shapes that come out of that um but it's also at its plainest level you can just create a, a mesh you know you can create something really gritty and really quite hard looking um so i think it's not as simple as it's this sort of delicate beautiful thing it's it it, it can do all sorts of stuff yeah, I, I do subscribe to the masculine lace theory that there is, there is there's feminine lace and there's masculine lace. Mm. There's definitely, but it's like again, like even any kind of like open work, if you want to call it that, rather than lace, it's not yeah. really something you associate with um, with builders, really. Like it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not, I mean, no, my, my a... brother's a builder. Like I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not seeing him in lace, like. Stone Island, yeah, lace, not so much. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Some of this is to, it's like, let's let's not get too too. Uh, I was just going to get into gender identity stuff, but I think it's really interesting because like there are some skills that builders have got that are awfully similar to what are considered domestic arts. Mm -hmm. So I was watching a guy plastering the wall the other day because we're getting a we're you know like we've just bashed our fireplace in so. Um, to get something done with it and uh, the the way he was plastering is exactly the same as the way I do buttercream on a on a cake and that is the same damn skill so you know the fact it's with slightly different materials it's the same skill like your ability to make a smooth flat thing that's just like so I feel the same way it's like with with lace knitting maybe they don't do that much lace knitting but they use a lot of chicken wire you know so anyway yeah yeah for sure and like my brother he built me he's built me a um a boma and a fire pit and a bry area barbecue it's like a seating area um yeah a boma, a boma. um because I, I want to pretend that i still live in south africa even though i don't like i live in the north it's, i got the sense that there were some south african words in there but i didn't yeah. understand that but i get your meaning a fire pit sounds good i like saying fire, fire to pit, stuff yeah. yeah yeah um and he built that right so and he he designed it like he, he drew it out and then he it, obviously like he has to work out how many bricks he needs and which way they're going to go and how he's going to cut the bricks so that they work and there's, there's actually quite a lot of maths and figuring out with that as well in the same yeah. way that there is with a pattern like it's yeah, all yeah. building exactly it, it's same what you do with coding like Aye. it's all building absolutely so it's just you know the fact that it's been sort of turned into a masculine thing suddenly you don't use the same words for it mm -hmm. but it's all basically handicrafts and synthesizing multiple sort of facets of discipline together so you need the maths you need to be good with your hands you need to have an eye you know all these things have to work together really to get a good um to, to get a good design together i love that i love where we kind of like slip from like knitting into building into <laughs> plastering into ux into design in general principles like all the yeah. sentence yeah the best conversations <laughs> <laughs> um but i really again i want to come back to because uh well my own selfish reasons i'm not even going to say it's selfish not selfish i just want to know um <laughs> like we come come back to that urban landscape part and you talked yeah. about being this person um in the urban landscape and walking urbanly 
yeah um and picking up these different flashes of, of life yeah within that landscape and how that um informs your design process really because you did yeah. a beanie recently that was like a skyline yeah that's exactly well, that is the closest i could transpose of the skyline i get walking along the ship canal to work Mm-hmm. Um, the Manchester Ship Canal. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of building work happening in Manchester all the time, yeah. as far as I can tell. Um, and there's just all these all these cranes, and they sort of interact with each other, and then all these you know buildings popping up. Um, and whether or not you like them, sometimes I'm like, what is that ugly piece of crap? <laughs> but anyway, um, it's it's just this sort of sense of aliveness that goes with it is, is really cool. And I like the way it's right beside water and there's, you know, there's swans sticking their arses up into the air when you're walking along and stuff like that as well. You know, so there's all these things that you're surrounded by. Um, so it's, I was trying to get that, but then there was also for me, the fun of working out how to put a stranded pattern together. Cause I hadn't done it before, you know, so just kind of working out, what's the longest float that you can live with and how can you get the head shaping right while you're doing that? You know, so, so that was all kind of the mental, uh, the intellectual exercise for me was, was figuring all that stuff out. Um, and then it's uh, playing with the colors on that as well. I mean, obviously you need two high contrast yarns, but um, you can do something really on the nose and just have like gray with light gray for the sky. And one of my sample knitters did that and actually looked lovely. Um, but you know, for me, my favorite one's probably the one that I did with Countess yarns, which is this sort of dark, uh, radioactive colored pink and incredibly neon yellow. And the two of them together, like proper kind of never mind the bollocks sort of color scheme together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's probably my favorite thing and I'm not very, I'm not very disciplined with keeping my samples nice because I tend to just wear them all the time. <laughs> so that's one of the hats that I've. Uh, probably not treated very well because I'm wearing it too much instead of just leaving it for attractive pattern shoots and things like that. <laughs> but I love that. It kind of plays into the utilitarian sort of yeah. attitude you've got to it. And I guess you are a UX designer, like you're about using stuff, you, the user yeah. experience, like that's what yeah. you do. <laughs> so you well, can't just make yeah. something and then not use it. Like I know, it's maddening. Like the idea that you just have samples that sit at the side and like, what? No, it's for putting on. <laughs> Um, yeah I think it also like recently uh, the last couple of patterns I've done I've ended up iterating them so many times and I think it's just because it's partly like lazy it's partly like I don't want to sit down with a spreadsheet so I end up just knitting the thing and going oh I don't like it and fixing it and knitting it again (laughs) Um, when I could probably sit down and work it out with the maths and only have to knit it once or twice to get to the right place. And I don't really like ripping things down either. So I'll tend to knit like uh, with the hat, I was really learning about sort of head shaping and I wanted to, you know, kind of get a clear idea of each size. So I ended up knitting each size. So every one of my family has basically got the same hat now. I love that. (laughs) We can walk around like an embarrassing Christmas card together. Um, so it's uh, yeah awkward family photo shoot time um, but I think um, you know for me it, just like the physical experience of knitting it really helps me understand it and, and make sure that I'm kind of communicating that in the pattern well yeah definitely and I like how you brought that in because um, well, I mean I've talked I've talked to probably hundreds of people about the way they design and how you know what's their process how did they get started like yeah um, what, what's their inspiration and 
you're probably the first person that's come in and said, yeah, but it's about the experience of it's kind of playing off these three different things together about, you know, how it looks and your inspiration and then the experience of the knitter and how yeah. that comes, that, that is a big part of it. Um, it is. And it's like, I'm constantly, you're constantly trading those things off against each other. So for Urban Hero and for Urban Festival, I, I ended up using an I-cord bind off around the whole thing because it just made the shawl hang so much better in both cases. Um, and doing that I-cord bind off is just stultifying. It's so boring. And I really wish it, there was a more, like if, a, if my brain worked slightly better, I'm sure I could have done it so that you were doing it as you were knitting the thing, but I hadn't figured out how to do it. So you end up doing it at the end. And um, you just have to kind of strap in, you know, find yourself a, a box set and do it, you know. <laughs> But it's um, so there's things like that where I'm like I know the experience isn't ideal but it's worth it for the design mm-hmm. and then there's other times where you're going well actually I'm going to do a simpler thing here because then it'll be a fun it'll be more fun to knit and you know it's it, you end up with a really nice garment but maybe not exactly what I had in my head the first time I thought about it so you know yeah there's trade-offs all the time I like that. I like because again, no one's really spoken about that trade-off. It's always been like, I had this idea, and this is how I manifested it into reality. And look at this beautiful stitch pattern, and that's cool. That that's good. Yeah, but yeah. I, well, I like, I, I like your practical approach to it in terms of like, well, I want this and I want that, and I can't have everything. So this is this is how I'm going to do it, and just accept the fact that you know, you're never going to have everything you want in a pattern. But I think that's very much the heart of what designing is. Is is kind of you know working within constraints and trying mm. to achieve what you're you know working out what you can achieve within those constraints um and sometimes you know i'm coming at it from a sort of practical point of view as an knitter it's like well i bought a bunch of yarn <laughs> which i really like the look of and now i have no idea what the hell to do with it mm. so trying to come up with something that will fit that yarn so that's you know it's, sometimes i'm coming at it from that point of view like if i really like it you know that's that was true the boomtown beanie was like it's like well if i really really love some dk yarn i'll probably buy a couple of balls in contrasting colors and then go what am i going to do with these <laughs> <laughs> So having like a two-color fair oil is is the sort of thing you can do with that, you know, in stranded knits, um, you know, a nice way of using two colors that you found that, that go together. Um, so that's that, you know, a lot of my reasoning comes from that point of view as well. Yeah, it is. It is really interesting. Like I've not really thought about it in. Well, I have thought about it. Clearly, I have thought about it. I've been in a long time, but not thought about it in that kind of sort of detail before in terms of like you have these people who um like they, they I, I know these people exist i know one pe- person who does this like one maybe two people who do this um and they have this idea where they want to knit something and then they go buy the yarn to knit that pattern and then they knit it mm-hmm. yeah like people do that i know um, but i'm not i'm a you i'm like oh i like that color oh this looks really good with it i'm just gonna buy it like it'll it'll tell me what it wants to be uh-huh. um, yeah and does it no um you know it goes so to commune yeah, in the stash you, goes yeah, to a big yeah. house party in my cupboard <laughs> which you can enjoy and like Marinate. i said you know, i think as i've said you know i think there's two separate hobbies right there's the mm. there's the knitting hobby and the collecting yarn hobby <laughs> there is i firmly believe um, in that collecting yeah, yeah. is a thing like collecting yarn is a valid collecting hobby everybody collects <laughs> something though if it's yeah. not yarn you'll collect something else yeah yeah um 
but yeah, I think like my uh, my completely brilliant sister-in-law, Catherine, uh, Catherine Limer, is a, a knitting teacher and she's she's my tech editor now for the last couple of patterns. And um, she she's done some designs as well. And she is so much more organized in her thinking about it. Like she if she gets the yarn, she's got a pattern in mind to put with the yarn. She, you know, she doesn't always do it to the order she, she intends in the first place. So she's not that almost perfect, but she's, uh, yeah, she's got a very kind of more, much more organized approach to it than I do. And I'm always very, uh, impressed, <laughs> slightly intimidated because I'm just like, you know, if I go to a yarn festival, I just turn into a mad person and I get in the haze and buy a load of stuff and go, Oh, it's great. Look at all my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then try and work out what to do with it afterwards. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can appreciate the level of control it requires to actually have things like written to, to, to plan before a yarn festival, to write stuff down, right? And I then, know. and then go to the people that you planned. Like, how do you do that? I'm, I, I like, I need to walk around like it's a street market, like till I can yeah. smell something I want to eat, you know, like yeah. I, I, need, I need to soak it in and, and, and let it all swirl around and, and just not feel kind of bounded by these these plans I made before like I yeah, need for them just to happen yeah there's benefits to the way we're operating as well because mm. there's more chance for serendipity and you know ooh, and I did a thing and this happened you know so I think so and, and definitely the way my brain works I like to suck in a lot of data like get the intelligence go around like yeah. suck it all in and then let it kind of process something it'll go right this is what you need to do with this one this one this one this one and mm. then I can go go get it yeah yeah. So it's not just just whimsy like oh, let me just collect a lot of yarn because I can like there is, there is a process <laughs> there but it's just not 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 that scary level of organisation. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. I can't do that. Not even with the kids. Like I can't even do that with the kids. Like that doesn't happen. I can't do it at my Sainsbury's shop. Like can't. All the supermarkets are available. Obviously, I'm not being paid yeah. for that kind of little name drop there. <laughs> <laughs> but I do shop at the Orange supermarket at the moment anyway. And. Um, like it's whatever's closest, doesn't it? No, like, no, no. I, it's just whoever's got the nicest delivery man. They have the nicest really? delivery man. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't like Tesco's because they, um, they've got an aggressive land acquisition policy that I don't appreciate. Yeah. Um, they bought a pub that I liked when the corner of my mum and dad's and turned it into a Tesco um, Express. And oh. it's literally um, a quarter of a mile from a Tesco Extra that's enormous. That's rubbish. Um, and, and then they said they consulted everyone and they didn't. Um, and then after that, I wouldn't shop with them anymore. So, because I, I am that, I am that person. Like I am that aggressive about my, my purchasing decisions. So yeah. oh, that's better than me. I just mm. go there because I go to Tesco's because you can get your flu shot there and they can get the link and you can do your nails as well. Letter one. So, you know, and it's the sort of place I come home and say, look, look, family, I've bought this. And they look at me askance and go, why have you bought another stupid item that we don't need? So yeah, I'm that person in our house. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I just. I don't like the rest. I used to work for Tesco, so that's quite bad. But like when I was at uni, I, w- I worked at the one on Upper Brook Street. You know, the little petrol station on Upper Brook Street. That's a little uh, Tesco's as well. You know how you were saying you're good at geography. I yeah. can't remember any street names or where they are. So just, just warning you. Okay. Well, like Oxford Road is the one with all the buses. <laughs> I the know that on. road. Yes. Right. I know well, that there's one. another road that runs parallel to it. Yes. All the way down to like, um. Fallowfield and stuff, right? So it's it's kind of to the left. So it's, oh yeah, it's okay. The big road, yeah. So um, you know, you have the hospitals, you have Scary Marys and the MRI and everything. Yeah, and I had like a child a in wide. one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Oxford Road is one side of those, and then the, the big street on the other side, the A34, that's Upper Brook Street. Right. And on yeah. that, right next to Scary Marys and the MRI, 
is a Tesco's and right. with the petrol station that I used to work at when I was at uni. Oh, okay. Oh, that was long. That In was, no way uh, knitting related. I feel like it was an important conversation to have, though. It was, I'm glad yeah. You, I'm glad you said People it. People might go and yarn bomb it now in my honour, like, <laughs> your mum worked here in 2004. <laughs> 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 or not. It got, mm. There was a lot of armed robberies, though. There were a lot of armed robberies. Did you um, get armed robbered? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Did you get held off at gunpoint or just at knife point? No, they just, they just come in with big bats. Oh my god! Yeah, like full on. It's either that, or you get all of like the Coronation Street people coming in on the way home to Wilmslow, darling. And um, for a minute there, I thought you meant the Corey guys were coming in with baseball bats. No, no, because that was that little <laughs> one. Um, one of the Platts is Sarah Platt. Is it? She's tiny. Like she's like proper little. Well, she was in. She was. She was in Thingy in, in Coronation Street, and she looked pretty small there. But in real life, she was like a pygmy. She was tiny. Like, tiny and she'd come in and buy a petrol and I'm like dude like, can you even see over the steering wheel um, yeah. <laughs> she's got one of those special booster seats probably probably in footballers and stuff I didn't know who they were but they have big no. cars I saw Wayne Rooney, Rooney once in a, in a Sainsbury's so I was quite, that was quite yeah because we used to live right in the centre of town when we first moved up from London and mm. uh, yeah he was in the Sainsbury's and the only reason I knew it was him was because there was a woman begging outside and uh, this bloke in a like a like a stupid hat gave her some money and she went holy shit it's wayne rooney (laughs) (laughs) and that's how i I knew so yeah there you go he's charitable and he wears stupid hats that's what i know about him yeah we'll we'll, we'll skip over all the grannies and all that kind of stuff (laughs) next um (laughs) back to the knitting i wonder if there's a knitted wayne rooney let me put that on my list to have a look for a pattern to look up for a knitted wayne rooney because apparently there is a knitted royal wedding available for for the new edition of the royal wedding Um, (laughs) so there is apparently uh, but i mean who doesn't want to knit a ginger right like I have a ginger totally. child. I don't need a knitted ginger person as well. Love a ginger. Love a ginger. Uh, yeah. Love it. Anyway, anyway, back to the knitting. Back to the Sorry. knitting. <laughs> I know, off of one. I'm probably not even going to cut it out either because, you know, like, we're, this is what we would talk about at the pub. Like, we've had conversation, many conversations along, along these random lines before. Yeah. Um. So talk to me about yarn then, because we've we've talked a little bit about the designing and we've we talked yeah. we went into a bit about our kind of uh, respective acquisition processes mm. for yarn, which are, are quite similar for both. Highly of us, methodical. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Um but tell us about some of your favourites. Who are your favourite yarnies? Um who do you find works really well with your aesthetic? Well, obviously, um uh Countess of Blaze stuff is probably what I did my first designs in. And um, I really like neons and bright stuff, and, and she has plenty of that um, available. So um, obviously I've got to mention Lindsay. Um, I think it, uh, in terms of other people that I've used quite a lot of or that, that, um, that I'm attracted to, um, Knitting Goddess uh yeah yarns i've used loads of and um it was it was her minis that kind of inspired me for the for the new pattern that i'm bringing out soon um so uh so i have to mention that as well and then other ones that you know i've picked up at yarn fairs and stuff like that um five moons has got some really nice stuff and you know Mm. beautiful colors with a bit you know just i don't know not not every Lurex uh, sparkle is is made of the same stuff, is it? You know, I think no. that hers is sort of nice and subtle and, and beautiful. Um, so I really like Five Moons. And um, 
Oh god, there's kind of too many to mention, really. I'm always getting. Oh yeah, River Nets. Um, I, I, the, I've, I've got. She's got. They've got this great sort of wall of minis. So you can go and do a pick and mix if she's ever at yarn fair. Um, and that's that's super fun and uh, highly dangerous. <laughs> um, but most recent stuff that I've been picking up, I'm I'm kind of thinking about. Uh, designing something bigger so I've moved to a, a, a bigger weight so I'm, I'm moving off my fingering into my DK a bit more and as a result uh, I got a bunch of really lovely DK minis from Rainbow Heirloom when I was in EYF this year so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to knitting them up with uh, some oh cool culty Nordic yarn that I've forgotten the name of so I've got a neutral from one place and then a bunch of bright colours from somewhere else. I like knitting like that as well. Like find a way of showcasing some really bright colours or variegated colours, you know. So um again, you know, talking of, of of trying to solve kind of stash problems, I think um that's that's where the Urban Festival design came from, was really to sort of say, all right, well, I've got loads of crazy variegated stuff. How am I going to use it? And so the idea with that was to take two kind of pretty strongly contrasting but variegated yarns and, and, and make them work together I love that because I was just about to ask you because obviously I mean I'm a big fan of the brights like I'm not an insipid mm. yarn person I'm not an insipid anything person really um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I like those bold kind of colours um, yeah yeah and and I, I like I like my variegated, especially if they are equal length of of color. Then I'm very mm. pleased with that. Like a good gradient, love um, like the mini mini sets, like how they've they've been put into designs is really interesting. Mm. Um, but they can be a bit intimidating, especially variegated yarns can be quite intimidating. What are some yeah. of your tips for for good patterns and how to approach choosing a pattern for a variegated yarn? Well, so it depends how wildly variegated it is. You know, it kind of, uh, it's on a sliding scale between semi-solid through to, you know, massive contrast. And I think if it's really massively contrasting, then you've got to find something that's got large amounts of um, either garter or stocking stitch in it because it's not going to show up any sort of lace or cables. Um, You know, so you'll put all this work in and then you won't be able to see them. So, um, so I think, you know, one way of, 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 you know, bringing a bit of interest in for yourself is uh, by, uh, by matching it with a neutral and then you can do stripes or you can have kind of pools of different things happening. And I'd say, you know, um, you know, Helen Stewart, Curious Handmade, has got some really nice patterns uh, to, to work with those. And then, there, you know, obviously Martina Bain and stuff like that. So there's some really good patterns um, that, that, that will help you use uh, highly variegated yarn um, or obviously you can make my urban festival which is entirely designed for highly you know variegated yarns um, you know so it's, it's about finding the right thing and it's the same again with socks you know so one of that was one of the challenges I was I was trying to work with on the manhole socks was finding a sort of texture that that would pick up flashes of variegated color um, so that's why it's got this sort of um, little uh, little cables to bring a strand of colour across a background because then it will pick up different colours um, so that it kind of showcases them. So one of my friends, Heather, just knitted up um, knitted up manhole in Twee Bollocks, which is one of um, which is one of Countess's colourways, and um, that is you know. Um, 
really sort of neon purple, green and black. So it's very variegated and they actually looked really fab in that. So I think it was, you know, the, the idea with that was to, to try and kind of play up a sort of simple texture that, that would that would pull uh, you know pull variegations out of eon so you could see them yeah definitely <clears throat> and the thing is is that it's quite interesting that you mentioned helen and martina bame yeah um because a lot of martina bame's kind of uh, samples and her pictures they do have the stronger colors in there and mm. the more bold kind of saturated colors so it, it's yeah. not a big leap for your brain to make to go well that'll work because she's got a bold saturated color there um, yeah. and it's working in that one so i can i can do it with mine but yeah. with helen her aesthetic is a lot softer and it is a lot more florally and, and very pr traditionally pretty and i mean i've knitted yeah. a lot of her patterns i love the way she writes patterns i love her to bit she's amazing she's great yeah fun. yeah yeah um but you wouldn't necessarily think, right, I'm, I've got this neon yarn and this, this crazy variegated yarn. I'm going to go get one of Helen's patterns because that's going to be a, it's going to be a treat because she doesn't <laughs> show her work in those colours generally. It's, no, it's she doesn't. But, um, some well, they do the, work. They do. I think it's because um, she's, created a, she's created a canvas that can work for all sorts of yarns. So mm. I think she's got some, you know, I, I think, again, something that's got a sort of straightforward repeat or... And using a quite a simple design element like eyelets or something like that. So that's what, you know, spin drift does. Mm. Um, that works really well with a variegated yarn. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, you can take a leap, but I guess you can swatch. I, I never remember to swatch. Who swatches? Well, swatches I, for losers. <laughs> I try, I tr I'm trying to swatch more. Now that I'm doing garments that actually have to fit you, <laughs> I'm trying to swatch. What I tend to do is just go... Sod it and start this thing. <laughs> and, then, and then measure it. <laughs> it's terribly wrong. <laughs> I have to pull it back and go, okay, I knew I had to swatch and I didn't. And this is, this is all I deserve. <laughs> As I pull the thing down angrily. So you know, it's kind of, um, so yeah, I, you, could, you could experiment with it if you're the sort of person I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> And that's fine. We're not dissing the swatches. Like not we admire you. I, I admire them. I do. In the same way I admire gym bunnies and people who drink green smoothies. Like I admire you. I don't want to be you. <laughs> I admire you. Like I'm, your restraints. I, I much respect. I've, I've no problem with that. I just know it's a, it's not a lifestyle I can re reliably maintain. Uh, <laughs> like, the only smoothie I'm going to be drinking is like a tub of gravy. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> the only kind of smoothie i'm interested in i'll go with custard Ooh, <laughs> dirty custard smoothie Fit. oh i've completely forgotten out of the question i was going to ask you and i'm so distracted by the thought of gravy because it's it's friday as well it's tradition in the air force to have fish and chips on friday like, it's a thing that's more and than just the air force isn't it i thought i, don't, I don't know but like you know like, i don't need more than one excuse to eat fish and chips with gravy yeah, on this is an important question oh do you put yeah. gravy on your fish when you have fish and chips? Do you, do you have, first of all, do you have gravy with your mushy peas? And if you do, do you put it on the fish? Right. Okay. So when, this is very much for me a when in Rome question, because when I lived in Scotland, in Edinburgh, you have salt and sauce and that is necessary component of a chip supper. Mm -hmm. um, but I come from a non-vinegar family, which is another story for a different, yeah, don't sharpen, take a breath. But my, 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 my forebears are not vinegar fans. And it's weird. It must be genetic because the younger child doesn't like vinegar. And it's like, what's going on? You live in Manchester. Anyway, um, 
so salt and sauce is basically half and half brown sauce and vinegar. Uh, so it's like really, uh, really runny brown sauce and they right. splash it over everything on a yeah. chip supper. So that but, is... But I need to interject. Is it HP yeah. or is it daddy's? Because there's a big difference. Oh, I think it's cash and carry brown sauce because you're going to okay, mix it with vinegar. <laughs> so. As long as it's not HP because that stuff is bollocks. Carry on. <laughs> And then, um, and then I moved down to Yorkshire when I went to university and I discovered gravy on chips and I was like, hang on, what's this? <laughs> Hold this the freaking bone. <laughs> <laughs> and scraps, and scraps, holy mackerel. Scratchings. So, oh, mate. So, uh, so that was very exciting. So I was a firm uh, gravy person. But since I've moved to Manchester, I've become a curry sauce person. Like chip shop curry sauce is now my mm. new thing. Uh, flipping love it I think it's brilliant and it makes everything exciting so I'm 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 basically saying I'm a I'm a chippy chameleon I'll do for a fancy depending on the context when I was in Belgium it was all about the fruit sauce you know what I'm saying so you know it's it's just whatever whatever the local custom suggests I'm very I'm very amenable I, I, I don't know how I feel about that like I don't know. I, th- I thought you'd be a purist. No, no. I, I, I'm happy to embrace uh, exciting new cultural innovations. But would you put the curry sauce on your fish? Yeah, totally. I'll put it on everything. I'll put it on my mushy peas. Hell yeah. Do you know what? My husband's from the South Coast, right? Yeah. I know. It was an accident of geography. I didn't mean to marry a Southerner and dilate my wonderful genes, but at some point I wanted like a kid who was bigger than five foot, so it had to be done. <laughs> right. Do you, know what, do you know what they do? Like, his family, legit. Like, yeah. how 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 keen work can you get? They put balsamic vinegar on a fish and chip supper. That's messed up. That dude. That's. I mean, that is like aesthetically problematic. That's, well, it, that's... it looks like shit and it tastes like shit. Exactly. Malt vinegar, darling. I mean, oh, the, even though like the white vinegar, you're like, Meh. um, balsamic. Uh, white vinegar is for cleaning spoons. You know, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> Dying yarn. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do. And once I went to Bridlington for fish and chips, which is East Coast near Hull, if you're not familiar, and uh-huh. I asked for um, fish, fish and chips and mushy peas uh, and gravy, like fish, chips, peas and gravy. It's a thing. Yes. He wouldn't. He wouldn't put. He would not. He refused. I'm the customer. I'm always right. Right. He refused point blank to put the gravy on the fish and chips with the peas. He would not put it straight on there. He'd put it in a gravy boat. In a gravy boat. Well, in I mean, a gravy boat. At least that gives you the option. At least they didn't say no. You just can't have it. You're not allowed. Uh, like you know, that's not. It's not the Bernard Black approach to customer rights, is it? You know? It's not. But still, like, you know, that, that's protest. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like. Do you really think the customer is always it? right? I don't. <laughs> It's an interesting question. No, but I'm always right. Like, I don't care about all these other customers, but like, dude, I know what I want. I've been, I was brought up on this. This is what you order at the chippy. Like, if mm. I'd asked him for P wet, like, his, 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 his arse would have fallen out. Literally, his world. His arse would have fallen out of this world. Asked him for what? P wet. What's P wet? Oh, jeez. <laughs> You're supposed to be northern, aren't you? I'm foreign. I'm from <sighs> Scotland. Things are different there. And I have a bad memory. So I've probably been told and I can't remember. Right, so pea wet is like what you get when you can't afford peas. So that's like, say your mum gives you a quid and lets you go to the chippy for your tea with all your mates, right? Is it, the, is it the runoff from from some, from some a can of mushy peas? Is this what like we're talking about? I like that, but it's kind of in between because it's wigging, isn't it? So they're going to have cooked these, these mushy peas for like a million years. So they become like a, just a kind of mushy... Yes. There's no real pea there. It is just mush. Yeah. Um, and what they do is they get the little pea strainer 
and they lift it up and they, they shake it out over your peas, <laughs> over your chips. Um, oh so you get the taste of peas with no actual goodness. It's just so it's, like it's pea stodgy pea water. It's yeah. just some pea but it's not watery like when you get them out of a can. No, it's like mush. It's full it's, on mush. So you get, you get it all of that and you don't have to pay 40p. And then you get your scratching. So like you said, your scraps, which yeah. is, is batter, isn't it? Yeah. Quite it's a batter that scoop out of the, yeah. the oil for free, like because they're only going to throw them out. So it's amazing. You get like a full on the experience, but for only a quid. But it's more than a quid now, clearly. Did you, in did, the 90s. Did, so we can chippies do potato scallops because that was my favourite thing about York. Yes, they do, but they're called smacks. Yeah. They're not called potato scallops. What's a smack? We, that's ridiculous. It's be a cooked. slice of potato covered in batter and cooked yes. in the well, chippie. I know, like I know what thing. it is. Yeah. I know, but we have our own language, don't we? And we're good. Yes. Like, nobody understands. <laughs> Like Jaffot. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, is it compulsory? Is what it means. Jaffot. <laughs> is it compulsory? Um, Do I have to? Okay. Yeah. Which, you can imagine my poor old balsamic vinegar using husband. Husband. Darling. No idea. Yeah, um, no it's idea. just like, what, what, is, what is this lexicon? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, bringing it back off the chips. God, that was good. That was a good tangent. I love that. I'm I forgot to pre-note the tangent for anyone who wants to skip the tangent. Just I'm roll with the tangent, people. Starving. It's I'm hungry now. Um, tell us about your new pattern, because you've kind of like yeah. alluded to it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to so, know about it now. Yeah, so uh, it's called Rainbow Relay. And it's going to be out on Monday the, or oh, is that the 8th? I think it's the 8th. Blank holiday. On the bank yeah. holiday. Um, so uh, it, it started out with me, again, it's the same thing I was talking about before. It started out with the yarn problem. And I go, all right, every time I go to a yarn fair, I buy a load of minis because I get excited and they look like sweets. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I've got lots of minis and not really a uh, project. There's lots of projects for minis, but quite often I feel like they don't, really, uh, they don't really show them off properly. They kind of incorporate them in. So either they work as part of a piece of color work or, um, you know, like in a mitered blanket or something like that, where you've got just like a huge bunch, you know, like a huge selection of different ones. And um, I like a mitered square blanket. I think they're really great um but the danger is that even if you've got the most beautiful colors in the world they end up just looking like a mismatch and you're not really seeing them you know mm. you lose, lose them. so um so the idea was this was if you just match it with one normal skein of sock yarn so about 400 meters something like that and then make a shawl so that you show off each of the minis in the shawl in its own way um, so it works really well for gradients if you've got a gradient set it works if you bought a long, like a long gradient cake as well. It would work for that. Um, but you get like a sort of shawl body that's in one main color and then these sort of splashes of color that run along the shawl so you can see all the different colors and you end up with a kind of strip of like basically rainbow, uh, a rainbow stripe of the different yarns that you've, you've put in your, um, from your, from your minis. So it's, uh, I'm really pleased with it. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 like some of the patterns. I'm like, uh, okay, it's, it's it's good enough. I'll, I'll I have to stop noodling about with it. I'll put it out. Um, but this one, I've been noodling about with it for ages. Like I've knitted it so many times at this point. Um, I would say uh, that you know I've I've finally had the courage to send out some test knitters in the last few weeks and. Um, 
some of the comments back from the test knitters are brilliant. Like one of my test knitters was like, it is like crack. I am going to knit another one now. Uh, <laughs> Does she do crack much? I mean, uh, is that a valid comparison? <laughs> I, I make no judgments. <laughs> um, but it, it was, uh, it, it's just because it's, it's just a, it's a really simple sort of garter shawl for the main. Um, so you can, you can knit that, you can keep going with that and, uh, Basically, also, it works really well if you've got a set of scales because you can just weigh your yarn. Um, I've got a pair of drug dealer scales that carry around in my knitting bag now because that's the psychopath I am. Um, it's, fun, it's played hell with my Amazon recommendations. Um, but um, anyway, you can just like you can weigh your yarn and based on that, decide how much more you're going to knit for because the pattern tells you like you'll need this much for the cast off and you'll need this much to get to this point. So it, it's sort of designed for you to customize to your heart's content. And like, so um, I've knitted it, uh, <laughs> I'm on my sixth time, and that's because some of them are for samples. So I'm not quite the crazy person it sounds like I am. Um, but uh, you know, each time I've actually ended up like there's, they're all different um, because it's, you know, it f follows the same rule set, but they're all different. Um, so it's, yeah, I love it. And it's, it's funny cause I, you know, it's the, it's probably for me the most mathsy pattern I've done so far is like where, it's, you know, it's all about me working out uh, the stitch counts and stuff that you need and, and, and kind of calculating all of that stuff to make it work. Um, so I found that weirdly satisfying because I'm um, not a natural mathematician, but um, I, you know, this is pathetic, but it's something that me and my husband have bonded over because it's like, if I want to do this and this, he's like, oh, well, you need to work out this. And like, so he's having all sorts of ones writing up, uh, writing up formulae and then I'm like figuring them out. But the first version of the pattern I sent to Catherine, who, who was tech editing, <laughs> she's got a PhD in medical physics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He said, so um, it's really great. I love it. Uh, just the, the, the section at the end, um, I didn't quite understand your maths. And I was like, if you don't understand it, nobody can understand it. Mm -hmm. So I've completely rewritten it since then. Um, and this time it's, uh, it's much better. So uh, thank you to her for both being tactful and um, honest with me about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been loads of fun to work it out and um, I am I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be, I think it's a good one. So uh, yeah, that's coming out on Monday and uh, I've had some brilliant test knitters. Um, and then we're actually selling kits for it as well when we go to, um, when we go to the Dublin uh, Yarn Festival Woolen. Um, so we've done this um, three-way, as Lindsay insists on calling it, collaboration. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Um, so the main colour will be a Countess of Blaze colour, and then the minis are provided by Undercover Otter, who's Petra from the Netherlands, and then it's my pattern, and you'll get that in a sort of cool bag with swag and stuff. So um, we're selling those as exclusive kits at Woolen. So I'm pretty jazzed about it, but it's the sort of thing where um, really – any indie dyer that's providing um, that's that's providing mini schemes might want to check it out because I think it's 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 a really good way of using using mini schemes so that you can really see the colours that that you've bought you know yeah definitely <clears throat> and it is about getting that and it's probably a whole other conversation that we can't go into now but that 
matching a pattern with yarn so that they yeah. both kind of show each other off to like yeah. a, like a synergy of that is quite an interesting topic and probably something I'm gonna yeah it's quite interesting because minis tend to be in block colors or at least the ones I use have been have been in blocks and mm -hmm. I think matching that with a variegated yarn is a bit of a it's a it it, it takes a bit of like there's a bit of magic to it and mm -hmm. a bit of artistry. And I think you can do some of it by catching the different flashes that are in that variegation and go, Oh, actually there is a flash of turquoise. It's on, you know, even if the rest of it's orange, you know, you can then capture that turquoise in, in the mini, you can, you can do it that way. Um, and sometimes it's about getting a strong enough kind of, uh, you know, bold enough contrast. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the samples, uh, the body of it is in a sort of semi-solid orange. And then the minis are a gradient of grey. And um, it just looks fantastic together. It's, my, it's, it's probably my personal favourite. I don't think it's... Uh, uh, you know, I've, you know, it's it's not as rainbowy as some of the ones that I've done, but it, it's it's kind of groovy and cool, and you feel like a you know a cool designer from Berlin or something wearing <laughs> interesting glasses. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, so yeah. cool. So, um, assuming everyone wants to come and find you, mm. which they obviously will, um, to talk to you about about your um, transient. Um, loyalty to fish and chips and your <laughs> wonderful patterns and <laughs> where is the best where's the best place to come find you i am mostly on instagram so uh i'm yarnison on instagram and i'm yarnison on ravelry as well um so you can find me there um just you know yarn is on yarnison um and uh yeah that's about it basically um i'll be at woolen I'll be uh, one of the Countess's minions um, being sent places and bringing her gin and selling the patterns and stuff. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my, that's my current yarny plans basically. Awesome. Well, I will put full links in the show notes so that people can come and click right through to check your stuff out. But otherwise, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. Thank you for letting me chat to you. I like chatting. <laughs> so there you go i hope you enjoyed that chit chat um, i did warn you went off on one a little bit and i, th I think the, the fish and chips was a valid a valid departure and i don't know about you but i'm feeling a little bit hungry now um, so if you want to find show notes and links and see some pictures of jane's uh, stuff head on to uh, the website it is shinybees.com forward slash 110 where you will find the show notes for this episode and you can follow all of the links and all the other good stuff to Jane from there. So that's all for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been a pleasure having you with me as always and I'll be back again next week with some more yarny action. Until then, have a lovely nitty week. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures with your host, Joe Milmine. Full show notes for this episode can be found over on the blog at shinybees.com forward slash 110. And if you've enjoyed the show today, please consider going over to iTunes and leaving us a positive review. Cheers. If that's all right.